SAFM, leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhezo Mapete on SAFM. A core theme of this year's 16 Days of Activism is economic justice for women. Deputy President Mr. David Mabuza launched this campaign under the national theme Women's Economic Justice for a Non-Violent and Non-Sexist South Africa. One of the reasons why women cannot leave abusive relationships, it is reported, is partly due to the lack of economic participation and thus empowerment. We cannot address economic recovery without women being prioritized and indeed recognized that women are the channels for economic productivity in this country. As we are currently observing 16 days of a no of activism, let me start, as we currently are observing 16 days of activism of no violence against women and children, a symposium was held recently about sustainable development goals, looking at how to empower in particular women and girls, amongst other things. The symposium was hosted by Africa Monitor in in partnership with the Commission for Gender Equality. On the line then is indeed Ms. Skolilingmabu. Ma'am, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. Provincial Manager of the Commission for Gender Equality in the province of the Western Cape. Good evening and good evening to your listeners and thank you for having me. Please tell us more about this symposium and what are the core themes that came out of that. I'm asking this question, if you like, to place it, the conversation in the light of the speech by the Deputy President recently in opening this campaign on women's economic justice for a non-violent and non-sexist South Africa. To the extent that the CGE would have dealt with it in the context of the symposium, how did you unpack it in the conference or the symposium? Okay, thank you so much, Tongeza. And uh, for me, I want to first and foremost say today is the 10th of December, which is the International uh, Human Rights Day. And that becomes very important in my way of talking today because economic uh, empowerment is a right. Women should not be excluded from exercising their right to participate in the economy. And we live in a country where there are many barriers that stand on the way of women who want to participate in the the economy. And hence, you'll find that more women are found in in the informal economy. And even when they are there in the informal economy, you find that there are still even more barriers that uh, hold them in that space of of, um, informal economy. So in the context of what the Deputy Minister, Deputy President, my apologies, has spoken about, it's actually very important and it's good that we are now seeing political uh, will and political leadership and the articulation from the highest office of our country where economic power becomes a, a key issue and this is even part of the economic uh, pillar that is a part of the nsp that seeks to address gender-based violence so all in all this 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 uh, um, um, speech by the deputy president and also the dialogue and the discussion that we hosted during the the symposium kind of place women or gender issues in the center. We ended up even coining it as a gender responsive um, uh, 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 plan 
going forward because we, we understand that if we are going to build, rebuild this country better, we need to make sure that the issues of gender are seen and actually addressed and gender analysis becomes part and parcel of what we, of how we frame our programs going forward. So, um, at the end of the, of, 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 the, of, the, of the symposium, we agreed that um, there is no development, there's no sustainable development without women. We don't want to be leaving women behind. As we know that uh, the sustainable development um, uh, goals, the, the key theme of them is that you leave no one behind. And our experience in South Africa, hearing from the communities as far as Free State, as far as Kuruman in the Northern Cape, to Western Cape, and even in Gauteng, uh, people who were saying they feel that as women they are left behind when it comes to how the economy uh, allows them to be part of going forward. In the light of the fact that we are predicating this conversation on sustainable development goals in combating ultimately gender-based violence and specifically the role of economic inclusion is the tool to to be used to implement, if you like, this SDG phenomenon truly to filter down. Which of the 17 SDGs then would you say is most important in the scourge of gender-based violence and the fight against it? For me, um, as someone who works on gender equality and women's rights on day to day, I will not say there's one that is that, that, that um, issues of, of economic empowerment um, that do not come in because even when you were to look the way we have clustered them, the social um, social SDGs, which is one to five, and then six to to, to thirteen, it's. Um, is economic and then there's ones that are for environment and then 16 is on peace and security and and, and governance and strong institutions and then 17 is on partnerships. So for me, all those, all of them are, are equally important when it comes to economic empowerment and economic power, particularly for women because the, 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 you, you can't really say the other is important because if we have not addressed the social aspects of the SDGs, those are part and parcel of the barriers that limit women to, to be fully participating in the economic SDGs. And then when you look at the ones that are for environment, environment is one area where we can easily start even having green jobs which are easy to do. You don't even have to live where you, you don't even have to commute, commute to somewhere else. Uh, we've learned that green jobs are actually are what are going to be the future because you can do it in your community. How many communities these days need to have solar panels? And if those, if those solar panels need fixing, women can be employed to do that. Sustainable gardens, the wind wind farms. So there's there's no there's no sustainable development goal that I would say cannot be uh, cannot mainstream issues of gender of, uh, of economic empowerment. From where I'm sitting, we even sure. went as far as saying that uh, the economy should be built within the, the, the districts 
where people are staying. We shouldn't be subjected to commuting and going somewhere where we can start having local economic empowerment projects and local empowerment um, businesses that are in our in our location rather than us having to commute to go to business centers in town. Those business centers must be built in where we are staying because when we do that, we ultimately start even contributing to many other various uh, SDGs. Ma'am, let me interrupt you because I I don't want us to get lost in our own conversation here. Um, Try and just limit your answers to specifically the questions that I'm posing. In relation to African Monitor, of course, we know the founder and president thereof is Archbishop Njongulu Ndungane. And, of course, the symposium was equally attended by advocate and professor Mem Tunzi, Mem Tulima Donsela. Now, in relation to their standing in the South African society, what was your key takeout from their respective messages as we're talking about the role of economic inclusion and SDGs in combating GBV? A lot of their work and their legacies are indeed predicated on that, albeit some generations apart. And for just before you respond, I invite callers to participate, please, on Johannesburg 714-2006. This is a conversation with Ms. C. Oli Lenobo, Provincial Manager, the Commission for Gender Equality in the Western Cape. In fact, ma'am, because that was a heavy question and somewhat loaded, may I just take this short ad break and I invite you to respond on the question of the message of Archbishop Ndungane as well as that of Professor Stroke Advocate Madonsel after this. on SAFM. We're back. We are live on SAFM taking calls on Johannesburg 714-2006 as we are, of course, using the WhatsApp facility. So drop your voice note there. Keep it, of course, under a minute and clear of background noise so that we can have a strong signal coming through from you. So our guest ultimately can hear and respond to what it is that you say. Skolele Ngobo is on the line responding to a question. Being the African Monitor founder and president, Archbishop Njongulu Ndungane had a message, as would have Professor and Advocate Tulima Donsela. Let's hear your response, please, ma'am, before we go to the callers. Okay, so so um, when it comes to the message that we got from His Grace, um, it, it came through through the representative of Miss um, Madame Grace Conjo, who is the board member of African Monitor, and it was very clear that um, the, His Grace had said had sent a, a message that um, it is very important that we authentically do not leave anyone behind because as Africa. This is our chance to to get the Africa that we want. And we need to start from bottom up and build going forward. So that was a very strong message that it shouldn't only be based on the policies, but it should be hearing the voices of the people. And then based on what the people are saying, we should then uh, continue implementing the SDGs in a way that leaves no one behind. And when uh, Professor Matonzela spoke, it was very, she highlighted uh, quite a lot of things as to how um, the the SDGs actually provide us a platform where we can start building an ecosystem that will ensure that we move towards success in South Africa. And uh, the context should always be that of inclusivity and also that of transformation. So again, she's going back to what his place is saying that it shouldn't be about who is leading, but it should be about hearing the voices of those that are led and those that are living the experiences. And uh, 
Advocate uh, Madonzela Wendy as far as saying that this is actually a, a time for us to reverse what the apartheid laws were meant to be because the apartheid laws were I- I- intentional on leaving uh, Africans behind. But the sustainable development goals are actually here to help us reverse all those uh, 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 exclusions that we've experienced in the past. So in, 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 in essence, also of their messages, they're actually telling us this is the time. We, we all know that the, the, the last 10 years are, the, are coded as the decade for action, and this is the action and the call His Grace has, has already told us, and Professor Matulima Donzel has already told us that we should be building an ecosystem that doesn't leave anyone behind. Sure, we're going to get into some of those issues there because I'm specifically interested in the political response to that. I'm going to go back to what you were referring to earlier on as being happy with the expression of political interest, if not will. But I have my views on that a little bit later from now on. Let's go to KGM, though, somewhere in the Republic. KGM, good evening. Thank you so much for calling. Good evening, Mshagasi, and good evening to your guest. Dada. Songezu and Umama, the indictment... The, the abuse on, on, on women, uh, in comparison, the same as it is the, the emulation of the abuse on the majority. Women are the majority. If you look at the Africans in the main are the majority. I find this correlation of being apologetic in some instances, whereas there's a need to actually put a, a, their foot down, our foot down, and eradicate these things without even wishy-washing. The, the point is this, Songhez. Mm. If men are not going to realize that the abuse on women is as dangerous as the, the oppression and colonization on the majority, then we, we're living in on borrowed times. Because once women get to the point of the realization and maybe the use of the majority, men will start crying foul. Now, if we can correct, self-correct, looking at how we didn't want to be treated, and by so doing, also saying, because we know how it feels, let's not do it to them. I think it will go a far far distance, if you like. It it doesn't need a rocket science. It needs us to just put it... And and lastly, Songhez... Can we stop looking for leadership elsewhere? We're not going to find it. Leadership is within us. Me, you, and everybody, if we decide I'm taking a lead on this, I'm going to be proactive, I'm going to lead by example, then this leadership will be coerced into one very powerful force. Sure, couldn't have said it better. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you for your thoughts indeed. Much appreciated, KGM. Mr. Ngobo, your response to KGM, some poignant, I mean, some really pragmatic points he raises there. Um, I, I like the last part of KG's um, uh, uh, input, especially around us taking self-leadership, because the, our system in South Africa encourages us to elect our leaders, and that is the first step that we do. And if they don't do what we need to do, we also know what to do. But what is important is that we become aware that now is a time for us to do something. And um, as, as from a perspective of a rights-based approach, so we, we, we already give that right to, to who we vote in. But we also have um, 
uh, human rights systems to hold who we vote in accountable to what we, we want them to do. And uh, on the issue of gender-based violence, I think him saying that um, men need to start self-correct is a spot-on input. Because I think for a very long time, we've been speaking around men. We have not been speaking with men and actually saying this is a problem. What are you going to be doing about it? Because gender-based violence is where it is. It's because it's been normalized. It's been uh, made to be part of the living, the norms, and it's been hidden and supported by things such as our values in society and expectations of our gender role, the tradition sometimes, the, the culture sometimes, and even the religion sometimes. And I think when he says it's about the time we self-correct, it's because we are at that point where men should start self-correcting and stop being onlookers and bystanders. So when you see violence happening next door, you should not justify that violence. With whatever lens that we're looking through, it. it's violence. You should step up and, and, uh, and, and able report if you cannot intervene, but call, do something. Don't say it is justified. There's no justification. So that is the first step that men can do. The second one is also where men start talking to each other in, in, in platforms where they don't condone the wrong thing, but they start speaking truth to each other. That is what we did with apartheid. We started to speak truth to power. So let's start speaking truth to each other as men so that we also start the conversation of self-correcting. I like his uh, analogy around the issue of uh, colonialism and the oppression that women are living in. And and, 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 and we see this through um, the actions such as the total shutdown march that happened on the 1st of August 2018 and where it has led to even the president now having what is called the National uh, Strategy Plan on gender-based violence and femicide in South Africa. So you see that women have done their part. They've gone to the highest office and said, enough is enough. So men must come on board now and help us because in that uh, LSP, there's a pillar that speaks around prevention. And we know right now that the best tool that we have, the best resource that we have is prevention. So what are we doing when it comes to prevention? Mm. So I agree with him. I agree with him. Men myself correct. Okay, we do have one voice note that we want to play for you, please. Please listen to it, after which I'm going to read a message, and then your response to those two contributions will be the final act. Good evening, SFM and Mrs. Songa. Forgive me, Songa, if I make or if I make cross someone, whatever, but I mean, this I have to say. We have to stop, I mean, killing the children, and we have to respect the woman, starting from me and everybody, starting from you, Songa, also, everybody, I mean, really. Songa, if I ask you the question, I mean, if you're reading some book, whatever, about Somalia, what you can remember? Unrest war, civil war, and ethnic division. But South Africa, if we don't stop what's going on, it's going to become like, you know, another another name. So really, we have to stop. And the ANC now, they must stop fighting, internal fighting. The country is very beautiful. We must look forward. Mr. M. Weinberg kept. It's a pity that message 
just cut short. I didn't get the full name of the gentleman, but indeed much appreciated there. He has a message coming from Joe in Peter Marisburg saying, Indeed, my brother Songhezo, it's unbelievable how life has become so cheap, especially amongst the indigenous people. Shouldn't we perhaps interrogate our current socio-economic and political setup as to how it may be a large cause of our violent social environment. Frustrated young graduates, because of unemployment and even dropouts from high school and tertiary. I'm saying this because more than some 200,000 of the jailed persons in the country are young people. So essentially, the frustration that is coming through in this or in these two contributions from our respective participants, is there and is quite telling. Your final, your response, please, finally, as we close the segment, ma'am. Uh, thank you, Sangeza. And uh, I think they, they speak of the context that people find themselves in, but those contexts um, do not warranty for someone to be violent. So for me, it comes back to social behavior. We, we always pride ourselves and say South Africa is a very, very violent country, but we shouldn't be priding ourselves in that. We should be putting in place measures for people to heal from the wounds of the past so that the normalized violence that came with the apartheid era becomes, becomes mad. We don't have it anymore. Social behavior is not something that you can then accord to someone else. We, we cannot walk into EGPV as helpless people. We need to st- stand and say, as a person, this is what I can do, and start denormalizing violence. And stop even from a home perspective where if your child is not doing what you want, you cannot be pinching that child, but you should be finding ways to negotiate with that child so that they do they stop doing what they are doing. So it comes from taking action, non-violent actions in our socialization going forward. That is going to be important. I acknowledge that um, we are we are we are seen as very violent, but that is not something that could be justified as the reason why we see so many killings of mm. women, killing of children, killing of everyone else. It's no justification. Let's go back to our. Our, our humanity and respect to the next person next door to us because it is through other humans that, that we become people ourselves. So if we are not going to be having Ubuntu and humanity towards each other, we are actually going to f- finish our own um, our own society Excellent. instead of us doing what is right going forward. Mrs. Oli Lengobo, Provincial Manager, Commission for Gender Equality in the Western Cape. Thank you so much as we were tackling the question of the role of economic inclusion and SDGs in combating gender-based violence. Thank you then, ma'am, for your time. After the break, let's continue then, folks, on the viewpoint here on SAFM. A trader's eye view, the impact of a pandemic on forex trading. We will be speaking to Tsediso Mahange.